All right, I want to speak tonight on the subject, languages of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to visions and dreams. I wish I could preach on that one the rest of the night, but I've got a ways to go. Visions and dreams, I put these together. The reason I put them together is because they're kind of the same thing, except one, you're asleep, and the other, you're awake. Visions and dreams operate very similarly. Here's the thing you need to understand about visions and, and dreams. They are a prophetic gift. Everyone is not going to get this one. Every dream is not from God. You have to know when it is a God-type dream and when it's not. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a little test here in a minute. You don't, have, don't worry, you don't need anything to write on. I'm just going to give you some things to think about. Um, one of the, this is one of the primary ways that God spoke to prophets. And the reason I know that this is a prophetic gift is because of what the Lord wrote in Numbers chapter 12, verse, two, verse 6. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in visions, and I will speak to him in a dream. So this is a prophetic gift. So if you have the gift of discernment or if you have the gift of prophecy, a lot of times those prophecies are given to you in visions and dreams. And so I'm going to show you how, how some of those work because some of those are open visions and some of those are dreams. So a vision is basically a spiritual revelation coming to an individual while they're still awake. This revelation can come in the form of an open vision or a mental vision. And the way that happens is you actually see it's like a dream. Uh, has anyone ever had a daydream before? All right. So have you ever, has your teacher gotten, have you ever gotten trouble in school for daydreaming? I did all the time. I hate to admit that, but it's the truth. Uh, anybody besides me, you got in trouble all the time for daydreaming. Your mind would just wonder. Well, a vision operates the very same way. It is like a daydream, except it was given to you by God and it's very spiritual. But it's like your mind just all of a sudden you're somewhere else. And you are seeing something that God has given to you. It's like you're, you're dreaming at night, but you're absolutely awake. Your eyes are open, but your mind is seeing this vision. So if it's a mental vision, then you're actually just seeing the imagery in your mind. If it is a daydream, you're actually watching it like you're watching a screen, just like TV. You're actually seeing it just like that. It is very, very real, just like a dream. When you wake up from a spiritual dream, you felt like you were actually there. It is extremely real to you. Uh, I've gone through seasons in my life. When I hear Karen Wheaton teach on dreams, I feel like, man, I'm not even saved. I'm not getting enough dreams because, you know, she, she, that's what, she's prophetic. And I am too, but, but she's prophetic in a way that God speaks to her so much. And so I want to tell you, uh, I've, had many spirit, I've had visions and dreams many times in my life, but not enough. And when I started hearing Karen talk on that, especially when she taught a course at ISO on it, I started praying about it. And my wife will tell you, I was saying, I was saying, I want you to help me, help me agree with this. I want more visions and dreams. I want God to talk to me. This is a last day language. He said, upon the young men, you'll see visions and old men, you'll dream dreams. I'm kind of in the middle of that. So I want visions and dreams right now until I get old. So I'm, I'm kind of old enough to dream and I'm young enough to have a vision. So I've been asking the Lord and it's happening. It's really happening. The minute I started asking the Lord for that, I don't have time to tell you the dream. I've shared it before, but it was in September of that year and I've got the date written down. I got up and wrote down everything. The Lord gave me a dream that was so real that I honestly thought it had actually happened. And when I got up and sit on the side of my bed that morning, and I've got it all in my spiritual journal, it was like a wind came through my room, and I understood every bit of it. 
I didn't need anybody to interpret it. I didn't need anybody to help me with it. I knew every single detail. And honestly, it was about the government and conspiracy theories. I've shared this with a few people. It was about God helping me because I'm seeing so much information. My, my mind is getting afraid. And the Lord said, do not say conspiracy, conspiracy. This is me. And he said, it looks like people of the world are in charge, but I'm in control, and I'm in charge. And, I, and maybe one of these days the Lord will release me to tell you that. I, I, it's a little long, so I don't want to tell you tonight. But if you start praying for that, especially if you have a prophetic gift. Now, if you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got technically all the gifts are in you, okay? So, so he, he uses them through different people, but technically you can't divide the Holy Spirit. All the gifts are potentially in you at any time he wants to use those. So if you're not getting visions and dreams, start praying about that. Say, Lord, show me more visions and show me more, show me more dreams. Um, whenever we were going to go to St. Louis, Missouri, uh, I was living in Tennessee at the time, and um, I have no no idea that I would ever go to St. Louis. I was pastoring a little church about 200 people over in West Tennessee. And I just thought, you know, I was just going to build that church up. I was 24 years old. And uh, Faith and I were just, you know, a couple of young kids, you know, pastoring a smaller church. And so we probably had 200, 250, something like that in our church. And so it was not even on my radar. I'm, I would go every Monday and ride a horse. So I love to do that. So I would, I'd saddle up and ride to the top of this mountain. This was, I was on a place called New Canaan Ranch where I went, and I rode to the top of this mountain. I tied off the horse, and I laid back on a, I laid back on a kind of a mossy base there, a, a rock and a mossy base. When I did, I had an instant vision, like a daydream, and I saw it as plain as day. I had a horn of oil in my hand, and I was standing over a bunch of wounded sheep, and they were old, tattered, bloody sheep. And the Lord said, if you will pour that oil on these sheep, they will multiply, and you will never be able to count the number. And he said, take the horn in your hand and go. And when he gave me that, I didn't even understand what he meant by it. I thought it was something to do with my church. I had an evangelist that was scheduled for revival. He came by. He was preaching in my church, and he got that wild-eyed look that evangelists get sometimes. It's kind of, it's like, oh, that's kind of make you want to duck, you know, because you don't know if he's coming after you or your neighbor. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been to a T.L. Lowry meeting, and when he gets that look and that, the claw, you're just like, oh, here he, here he comes, because you don't know, you don't know what's about to happen. And so, um, um, that's the look he got in his eye, and he came over to me, and he said, I don't know what this means, and he's got that big bug-eyed look, and he said, but I see you. It looks like a bull's horn is in your hand. It's got oil in it, and I see all of these tattered sheep, and he repeats the vision absolutely to the, to the letter. He repeats the vision that the Lord gave me, and there was no way he could have known any of that. Well, I get a call a few days later, from the Bishop of Missouri for the Church of God, and he said, Brian, he said, we need some young men out here in Missouri. We don't have any big churches, and we need, we need some young men out there. I'd never even been to Missouri before. I, knew, I didn't even know how to spell Missouri. I guess I probably could do that, but not well. And so um, when he called me, he said, he said, we need some young men in Missouri, and I thought, the, my first thought was, uh-uh, no, I'm not going to Missouri. And then he said, I got a little church out here. It's not much. It's just filled with a bunch of old, tattered, wounded sheep. But I believe if somebody could pour oil on these sheep, they would be healed and God could. I, I got off the phone. 
I walked in the kitchen where my redhead was, and I said, she said, what's going on? Why, why you got that look on your face? I said, because we're moving to Missouri. She said, why in the world would we do that? I said, because God has told me that, I mean, I just got a confirmation. Well, honestly, I, I told him I would go look at the church. The church was, was busted up at the time. It was broken down. There weren't hardly any people there. They had no money. They're way in debt. Didn't even know if they could pay us. Honestly, they couldn't pay us a lot of the times. And that's not the kind of thing you want to go into. I had a, We had a two-year-old, and we had a six-month-old baby girl, and a two-and-a-half-year-old baby girl. And, you know, we were both raised in the South, and it was like, really? We're doing this? So the night before we got there, I had a dream. And I thought that I was just dreaming because of anxiety. And on the drive from Tennessee to St. Louis... I tell my wife this dream. I said, I had the strangest dream last night. I was in this church, and I went in this side, I went in this side door, and I walked down this hall. It had red carpet. It had paneling, wood paneling on both sides. And I walked in the back of the sanctuary, and I said, believe it or not, it had PV speakers hanging on the wall. These big old long PV speakers had an organ on that side, a piano on this side, and I described it, all the furniture, the carpet color, the walls color, everything to her on the way there. I said, it just must be me you know, anxious about meeting this bishop. We pulled, we pulled on Big Ben Road, and we were going to this little church. I saw the church, and I said, well, that's not it. And when I pulled up to that church, and I realized it was the church in my dream, before we went in, I have a witness right here. She'll tell you. Before we went in, I told the bishop, I said, I know this is going to make me sound like a little crazy, but does this church have red carpet? Well, yeah. Are we going to go in a side door and walk down a long hallway that has paneling on the side? He said, yeah. I said, oh, no, this is weird. Does this church have PV speakers hanging on the, on the wall and the back? Yeah. Have you ever been here before? I said, yes, I have. Last night in my dream, I visited this church. And he said, well, we'll see if they've owned any. I said, honey, go home and pack. This is God's all over this. I don't even know if I want to do it, but we're going to do it. And let me tell you, God did everything he said. He said if we would pour oil in those wounded sheep, we would not be able to count them. We had over 94 ministers full-time leave and go into full-time ministry. We got over 30-some missionaries today on the field just from that one ministry. Pastors, church plants around the world just from that one ministry. This church now has three three campuses and thousands of members, and there's no way we could ever count what God did. He did exactly what he said, because when you get a vision and a dream from the Lord and you write it down, it comes to pass the way God said it. So how do I know if it's my dream or God's dream? So every vision that you get is not from the Lord, because visions and dreams are part of your natural cycle. You can have a daydream just because you ate too many tacos. And you can have a night dream because you ate too much pizza. So dreaming is natural. But there is a difference in a spiritual dream and a non-spiritual dream. I asked, actually asked Perry this question one time. I said, okay, I'm praying for visions and dreams. How do I know when I have a dream if it's from God or if it was just me? He said, well, let me explain it to you the way my dad explained it to me, Brother Stone. He said, my dad told me that if you have a spiritual dream, that it will stay with you for days, and you'll remember every detail, and every time you tell the story, you won't change the details. He said, if you keep telling the story, and every time you tell it, you change the details, that's you trying to remember it. You don't have to try to remember something God gave you. It's imprinted on your heart. I said, okay, that sounds good for me. So I put this together for you. Here is a little test for your visions and dreams. Number one, did you remember it for days? That's the first twist. 
Did you remember your dream for days? Or is it just something that you vaguely remember? If you vaguely remember, it may not be what you think it is. But if God gave it to you as a prophetic word, did you remember for days? Secondly, do you remember vivid details? The same thing about your vision. Listen, I can tell you the color of those sheep. I can tell you everything about that today as much as I could the day it happened. I can tell you what that horn looked like. As a matter of fact, I went and got a horn just like it, and I made it. And for years, I poured that oil all over everybody that would come in my prayer line because that's what the Lord told me to do. And I would just, that's how I prayed for people. For years, I prayed for them with that horn of oil because that's what the Lord said to do, and they would multiply, and they did. So can you remember vivid details? Did God give you the understanding? Now, you may not get the understanding immediately, but did God give you the understanding? Did you wait for confirmation? Okay, some people get it and start talking about it before they get their confirmation. And then the next time they tell it, they've changed the details. Have you ever heard one of those? And then they'll tell you again, and they change the details. And now every time you hear the story, the details get different. And so that is one I would be a little skeptical of. I want to know the real details, the first details, and I want to know if, if God gave you confirmation and understanding. Here's another thing. Did you change the details each time you told it? That's very important. And finally, did you write it down as soon as you woke up? So you need to write it. If you get something from the Lord, you have to do the same thing the prophets did, Habakkuk 2 and 2. Write the vision, make it plain upon tablets, so he who reads it can run with it. So if you get a word from the Lord, you need to get up immediately and write it down, log it, so that you can tell those, those spiritual dreams uh, each time the right way. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. John 14. We read this earlier, or read a part of John 14 earlier, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Then he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and neither be afraid. So there is a peace that passes understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit that's different from just finally getting closure or hearing a word from somebody that gave you peace. When you are born, so here's the way, here's the best way I can describe it, and all you nurses and doctors can confirm what I'm about to tell them. So when you are, when you're in as, as a fetus in your mama's belly, uh, you start off looking like a little bitty ball of, of, uh, of thread, just a little bitty ball of thread. And part of that thread begins to form into other parts of your body. But when this little ball of thread is called neurocrest, and this neurocrest begins to separate, and part of the neurocrest goes to your cranial cavity and forms what we call the nervous system or the central nervous system. The other part of it goes to your belly and forms another nervous system called the enteric nervous system. And these two systems are connected by the longest nerve in the body, which is called the vagus nerve. So you can look that up, V-A-G-U-S, the vagus nerve. It'll tell you all about this. So you basically have two nervous systems in your body, one in your brain and one in your belly. 
And here's the other thing that was, that was such a huge breakthrough in medical science is that you have, you have the same number of neurotransmitters, which means the ability to remember and think in your belly as you have in your brain. So a lot of people call this the second brain. That means that my belly is remembering. Have you ever heard something and it made you sick to your stomach? So I heard it here and I reacted here. I saw something here and I reacted here. Or I fed myself in my belly and my brain cleared up. Okay, so these two complement each other. Well, the Lord was trying to help us to understand where peace comes from and where the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So he identified that when you are looking for God's peace, it's not going to be based upon information and logic. It's not going to be based upon the kinds of things that you typically want to read or hear to, to understand and have peace in your heart. But this is what he says, and I use the King James Version because of this one word, belly. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. So I'm going to stop right there because I just want to, I want to tell you that word actually in the Greek means a birth canal, a cavity, a hollow cavity. So he's saying, now, I don't know how many of you got to come to ISO when we did the millennial temple teaching, but I taught on this on the river of God. So this was part of that teaching on the river of God, how the river inside of us, be, how, how the Holy Spirit takes on a different nature of that in the millennial kingdom. Anyway, you've got this cavity inside of you where things are birthed. And the Lord is wanting you to understand this is your center. Okay, you hear people say, I need to find my center. This is your center, not this. This is your center right here. It's right in the middle of your body. And that is where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. This is where out of your belly flows the rivers of living water. And he identified it. This spake he of the Spirit. So here's what you need to understand when you're seeking God. When you're seeking the Lord, you need to know that it's not always going to make sense here. Noah built an ark. I don't think so. It's never rained before, but something hit him here, and he did it. Uh, walk on water, Peter. Get out of the boat and walk to me. Walk on water. Everybody knows you can't walk on water, but something here said, go do it anyway, and he walked to Jesus. Um, I want you to stick your rod over the Red Sea, and it's going to part, Moses. Everybody knows that can't happen, but at your command, Lord, something hit him here, and it happened. So when you're looking for peace, it is a peace that passes understanding. And that's very important. Your peace passes understanding. Now, several years ago, there was an article that was written in the New York Times, and you can look it up if you want to see that article. It was a neuroscientific look at speaking in tongues, and this was done by the University of Pennsylvania. So they decided to go to the Congo and do medical tests on people while they were speaking in tongues. So they put those, I don't know what these little things are called, but I know they're sticky, and they got a wire on the end of them, so you guys in the medical field can help me out here. I'll call them a probe, but I know it's not a probe. But anyway, whatever those are that read your brain waves, if you ever had an EKG or something like that, you know what I'm talking about. And so they put these all over these women's heads, and they allowed them to do that. They go to church, and they're monitoring them while they were singing and while they were talking to each other. But when they would speak in tongues, they were trying to find out what part of the brain lights up when you speak in tongues. They thought that it was probably going to be memory. That's what they were going for in their research. And so what they noticed is that when these women in the Congo spoke in tongues, nothing lit up. 
And they were so confused by it that they said, okay, tomorrow night we're going to go back to church and we're going to put these all over your body. And what they noticed is that nothing in their head lit up. When they were singing, their brain would light up. When they were speaking, their brain would light up. But when they were speaking in tongues, the only part of their body that would light up is their belly. It's the only part. They realized that something was coming. And they published this article in the New York Times that said there's something supernatural about speaking in tongues because the neurotransmitters are the only things going. It's coming from your belly, not from your brain, but it's coming out of your mouth. You're articulating something that is coming from here whenever you begin to speak in tongues. So that's so curious to me how that happens. Now, I, I quoted this scripture to you early, so I'm going to move on. It's the peace that passes understanding. Let me go into the last one because I need to go ahead and come in for a landing here. I've been doing this for a while. So let's come in for a landing. All right, we're probably more familiar with this one than any of them, how the Holy Spirit uses words. Sometimes they're words in your language. Sometimes they're words in another language. We want to show you a couple things about these words. Now, on the, when the Tower of Babel was built in Genesis, everyone spoke the same language. But to confuse the world and to build the world, God confused their languages. But on the day of Pentecost, all of that was reversed. On the day of Pentecost, all these languages came together and God gave them a spiritual language. And when they began to speak in a spiritual language, the Bible says that there were 15 nations that were gathered around them, and they began to hear each other speak in their language. Look, listen to this in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, there was one mind, or there was in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now here's a very interesting part of this passage. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And it says, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now it actually lists the nations that heard them speak in their language, and there's 15 of those, and that's very important. And when they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look at not all of these, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that we're hearing in our own language from where we were born? How is that possible is basically what they were saying. And so if you read this passage, it tells you that 15 nations heard them speaking in their language. So here's something I want you to understand. This is what I believe, and there may be other opinions of this, but I believe that when you speak in tongues, that you're actually speaking in a real language. That's what I believe. I don't believe that it's a made-up language. I don't believe that it's something. I do believe it's spiritual. But in the book of Acts, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said that speaking in tongues is evidence to the unbeliever that it's real. And a lot of that is because the unbeliever is hearing something they know that cannot be produced any other way. So speaking in tongues in the presence of someone who speaks that language realizes, they're realizing that that's the only way that that can work. There's a missionary that lives right here in Cleveland, Tennessee, who's one, he's from China. His name is Dr. Hong Yang. He's a teacher at a college 
Dr. Hong Yang came to the United States to study technology, but because of limited understanding, he got approved to study theology instead of technology because they didn't understand English very well. And he ends up at the School of Theology in Cleveland, Tennessee, and he speaks Chinese. Now, he can tell this story much better than me. And he didn't understand what was going on. He was just learning the English language. And he said that someone asked him to go down to the Mount Perrin Church of God in Atlanta, Georgia, a very large church there. Dr. Paul Walker was the pastor at the time. And so they took Hong Yang, it was not Dr. Hong Yang then, but they took Hong Yang, this young student from China, down there, and he said, this little holiness woman with a bun on her head. You've seen, the, you've seen those type. you got to be careful, though. You, that's why you need the spirit of discernment. Some of those are beehives and some of those are hornet's nests. you got to know the difference. And uh, believe me, so you got to have the spirit of discernment. Anyway, this one was a beehive. It was full of honey. So uh, this little lady with her hair all piled up in her head, she had her head shaking and her hands, her little hands shaking, an older little lady. She walks up to Hong Yang. You know, she steps out of the aisle, and she's done one of those little Holy Ghost dances, you know, and her hands are shaking, her little bun's shaking, and she walks up to Hong Yang, and she speaks in perfect Mandarin Chinese in the dialect of his local fishing village, even got the accent right, and she says, she calls him by name, and she says Hong Yang, or she calls his, his, his Chinese name, his full Chinese name, and she she said, this is the Lord. I am the Lord your God, and I have brought you here, and you will become a great and mighty preacher and missionary around this world, and you will win hundreds of thousands of people to me. And this young Chinese student begins to cry because someone spoke in Mandarin fluent, Mandarin Chinese language in his local dialect of a fishing village and called him into the ministry. And Dr. Hong Yang in his ministry just in the underground church of China has won almost one one million Chinese to the Lord because of somebody speaking in tongues to him. I need to get him to come here and speak. He lives right here in town. I need to get him to come and speak for us sometime. His testimony is unbelievable. I mean, it's incredible. And he is one of the most enthusiastic speakers you will ever hear because he's so turned on. But it was somebody speaking in tongues that changed his life. I was in El Salvador several years ago building some churches, and we went way up in the mountains at night. We would do churches in local, local areas, and I had a young guy with me. His name was Al, and Al wanted to preach his first sermon, and we were going up to this small little church on the top of a mountain. There couldn't have been more than 10, 12 people there that night, and I said, okay, Al, you're up. You're going to preach your first sermon with a translator, which is not easy, and he was so excited. I mean, he, he had a lot inside of him. He was like a steam engine climbing that hill. He's about ready to explode. Have you ever seen a preacher, a first-time preacher like that? He was one of those. And um, so uh, we get up there, and Al preaches a sermon. It was a good little sermon. It was on being filled with the Holy Ghost. And at the end, he calls for an altar call. Anybody like to be filled with the Holy Ghost? The only people that came, there's only about 12 people in the room. It's two little boys. One little boy could have, could have been about eight or nine years old, and the other one I would say was 11 or 12. And these little boys knelt there in that little makeshift altar, and they started praying with all of their might. I mean, they had their eyes squinched. They had their fists squinched, and they were shaking their fists, and they were praying as hard and as loud. I mean, there was no music playing, but these two little boys were praying as hard as they could. And all of a sudden, one of them said, and I'll never forget it because I was sitting right there. He said, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. 
And the little boy beside him said, They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And they started quoting the Psalms. And so I look at the missionary with me, and I said, uh, Well, that's amazing. Where did they learn those Psalms? He said, Those little boys have never spoken a word of English in their whole life. They just got the Holy Ghost. And he said, the Lord allowed them, allowed you to hear them in your language to verify that God can meet at the top of a hill in a church running 12 people and fill an 8-year-old and an 11-year-old with the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a free gift. Hallelujah. I was going to tell one more story, but I want you guys to come. I want you to go ahead. I, I'm, I feel like there's a, a, we're stepping into a moment here. The Lord's ready to touch some people's heart. Let me tell you something real quick before we go there while, while the musicians are coming. I want to show you one passage in the book of Acts, or the book of Philippians, rather. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on the earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't know if you understand what's going on there, but they're talking about that when you say this, every knee bows. And we understand that is, that is territorial. That is over every enemy, of the, every enemy of hell. But I want you to notice the language in that verse. Put it back up there one more time, guys. I'm going to show you something. Every language in heaven... Every language on earth, every language under the earth, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what I believe speaking in tongues is. I believe you're either speaking in an ancient language that is already in heaven. No one else uses it, but somebody's in heaven with that language. Or you're speaking in an ancient language that only that no that is under the earth. This was a, a group of people that never accepted the Lord, and their language died out, but they're under the earth. Or it's a language somewhere around the earth. And all you have to say, this is what you've got to get, guys. You've got to get this. There's a lot of people that speak in tongues, and their prayer language is given to them, and they're, they're upset because they don't have this fluent language they want to sound poetic. They want to sound like they're talking or preaching or singing in tongues. That may happen eventually. But when you first get filled with the Spirit, it's usually a real short sentence that you say over and over and over. That's how baby talk starts. That's how your prayer language begins. Sometimes it's one or two syllables that you just say over and over and over. Why? Because the only thing you have to say is Jesus Christ is Lord. And when you say Jesus Christ is Lord, every demon in your life has to bow. Mama, all you gotta say is Jesus Christ is Lord to cleanse your daughter's bedroom. Papa, all you gotta say is Jesus Christ is Lord to overcome every demon that the internet let into your house through somebody, a wayward son. All you have to say is Jesus Christ is Lord. When you say that, every knee bows when every tongue confesses. So what you're going to see is a lot of people that get filled with the Spirit, and they're just going to say something very simple over and over and over, and that's how it begins. How many of you remember when you first were filled with the Holy Spirit? How many remember when you first got the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you remember that day? Oh, you, were, you weren't disappointed that it came out as an utterance, or your chin started quivering, or you just had two or three words. You spoke those two or three words till they became sentences, and then those, be, then those sentences became songs, and then those songs became poetry, and then that 
poetry became prayers. And now you can pray in a prayer language, in a fluent language, but you gotta start somewhere. And when you start, all you have to say is Jesus Christ is Lord, and that frees everything inside of you. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.